Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, a lot of news has come out about when Disney World is opening and what it's going to look like, so we break all the news down. Find all episodes of the podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate positive reviews. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can subscribe for bonus content, or you can also make a one-time donation. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com at www.deciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered, especially if you have questions about all these new announcements. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So before we start today, we have two more serious than normal topics to discuss. The first somber and the second celebratory. So uh, let's start with that. On Thursday, when I started getting the details of all the changes related to Disney World's reopening, you know, I thought I was going to spend the majority of my weekend dissecting those. But by later that night, there was much more important things than Disney's changes that uh, had started going on in this country or have been going on in this country. You know, in my regular job as a teacher in the city of Boston, the issues of racial inequality in this country, you know, they're infinitely more important to me than my dining reservations getting canceled. And so before we get into things today here at Disney Deciphered, we just want to say that our hearts are broken by the way people of color, especially African Americans, have been treated in this country for far too long. Honestly, that's where the majority of our energy and thoughts have been this weekend, but we are going to break down all the Disney news today. But before we do that, we just really want to acknowledge that talking about Disney World right now, Disneyland, theme parks in general, that's a luxury and a privilege. And it is a welcome distraction to all the other pressing issues that are going on right now. But we didn't want to start without acknowledging that those pressing issues are far more important than what we're going to be discussing today. Well said, Joe. Yeah, it certainly feels frivolous to be talking Disney when the country is hurting so deeply. And I, too, just want to acknowledge the vastly more important issues facing our divided country right now. But I also know that little escapes can be so valuable in painful times. So I hope we can provide that to listeners who really want and need that right now. Definitely. And so for our second more celebratory item, but also uh, more serious than normal, we did want to thank everyone who participated and donated to Give Kids the World for the Quarantine Key 5K. We think it was a great success. We had a lot of fun doing it, although my legs are still sore, still having those back issues. But we want to announce that we re- we raised $2,000 total for Give Kids the World. $765 were in donations from you guys, the listeners. There was a $600 matching donation from Sean Coomer from Miles to Memories. And then, of course, we also did a matching donation of $6 of $600. And, you know, we ended up throwing in a few extra dollars to get us to around $2,000. So, you know, it was really great to do something positive with you and the rest of the Disney community and the Disney Decipher community. So we just really want to thank all of you for that. Agreed. It was such a great time. And I too hobbled on my 5k and got my daughter in on the fun and really just happy to be able to support a great cause. So want to thank some of our donors who helped us get to that $2,000. Jeremy S, Josh W, Cindy M, Michael and Tara T, Brad B, Christy P, Jason K, and then I'll get the rest of the donors. So thank you to Ashley K, Jonathan S, Nick S, Brenda R, Joe H, Steve K. And uh, two of you donated $20 and $50 uh, anonymously because I forgot at the beginning to 
put people's names on the form. So if that was you, um, please let us know. Or if we missed you, you know, I'm not good at this organization thing. Please let us know so we can give you a shout out in future episodes. But, you know, thank you all so much for donating. Um, that money is going to a great cause with Give Kids the World. And we're just super excited to be a part of that. And thanks again to DCL Podcast, DCL Duo, Mouse Gen, Roped Up Radio, and Podcast Stardust for uh, participating as well. All right, Joe. Well, we have a lot of news to talk about, so let's get into it. Yeah. So let's start with the original news that broke, which was that Disney is opening in July. So July 11th right now, tentatively scheduled for Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom and July 15th for Epcot and Hollywood Studios. Um, this has been approved by the governor. So, you know, all systems are go right now for this July 11th and July 15th opening. what do you think? This was a little bit later than we were expecting, especially with Universal opening this Friday. Yeah, I heard some news that Universal kind of like pulled a fast one on Disney by announcing as early as they did. And so, you know, I, I do think that Disney is trying to open the both coasts like within relatively close um, distance of one another, like and knowing that California is lagging way behind. That may have been why Disney was lagging further behind Universal. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was surprised, too. It, it seems certainly when we heard that they were going before the Orange County um, task force, you know, to present an opening date in late May, a lot of us thought, okay, it would be a couple of weeks later, not, you know, six weeks later. So that was surprising. Yeah, but I think with a couple of days passing by and just upon reflection, I do think it makes a sense. And I do think it makes a lot of sense. You know, people have rightfully said reopening Disney World is like reopening a city. And, you know, if you look at Disneyland, I think Reopening things at Disneyland is going to be similar to reopening at Universal, right? You only have three hotels. You only have a couple parks. It's not like that huge of an undertaking. But with Disney, you got to get everything spinning back up. Plus, I think they were holding off a little because they can see how things go with Universal and the other theme parks in Florida and around the country. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to be making adjustments because they really cannot afford to get this wrong. And so um, it's it's definitely a take it slow and steady type of situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's more on the line for Disney. It's, you know, truly an international company in a way that a lot of these other theme parks are not. And the last thing they want is to be like the center of the headlines of like, you know, cast member coronavirus outbreak. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they're being more cautious than every other theme park right now. Right. So I mean, this was announced on Tuesday, and then people are already kind of hand-wringing a little bit since it's later than people expected but then on thursday like i was saying uh it did seem like it was going to be the biggest news of the weekend at the time of course Disney dropped a ton of news about what reopening is going to look like. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look just step by step at Disney's announcements and, you know, talk about what we think about them, because it is going to be a vastly different experience. And then in future episodes, we know a lot of people have questions. So we're going to take people's questions on reopening. And also we're going to talk about as you're thinking about whether you want to plan a trip in 2020, we're going to discuss our own personal thoughts on how much these changes will affect our experience going to Disney World. So let's kick things off from the beginning. We'll go in order of Disney's announcement. So the first thing they announced was that new ticket sales and hotel reservations are suspended and you cannot book a hotel reservation or get a ticket on the Disney World website right now. What What do you like? I mean, it's crazy, right? 
Yeah, that's really crazy. And I know a lot of people had previous vacations booked and maybe, you know, canceled them or, you know, and were kind of waiting for a date and then we're going to book their hotels, but, you know, they're out of luck. Although I know some uh, Disney hackers managed to <laughs> to squeeze in a few last minute bookings on sites like Orbitz and stuff like that before that got shot down. But um, yeah, for the, the average person who was sort of watching and waiting and hoping to go early, at least for now, they're out of luck. Yeah. And the real... I guess, angst-inducing announcement here is that there's going to be a ticket reservation system. You're going to have to declare where you're going to go on what day. So you're going to have to declare that you are going to Magic Kingdom. And the worry is if you don't get a reservation slot at Magic Kingdom, then your vacation, like if you can't go to the parks, what's the point of going to Florida? And you know, there are also rumors that there might not be park hopping and things like that, which I guess makes sense to me. Cause if you're saying what park you're going to go to, you can't say like, Oh, I'm going to go to all four parks, but that's not officially confirmed by Disney yet. So we won't speculate on that right now, but you're going to have to make a reservation. If you did have a previous ticket or have an annual pass or have a Disney hotel reservation, they say that those people are going to get priority for the ticket reservation system, but they're building a whole new system from scratch. And right now, we don't even know what that's going to look like. Yeah, we really do need a lot more details about how this res- reservation system is going to work and also about what the capacity is going to be. So, you know, my first question was, okay, there's a lot of people with existing reservations right now. And, you know, if all of them want to go in July, mid-July, is that going to completely fill up the park? Or are they going to be able to accommodate even all of those people? Or is there going to be room for other people who want to plan vacations? It's just completely unclear. Like we have no sense of the numbers right now. Right. And then the other thing that I guess surprised me a little bit was I did think that they might try to limit things by limiting people only from Disney hotels, but it does seem like you are going to be able to be staying offsite and still visit Disney World as long as you can get one of those ticket reservations. But we don't really have any information about that right now. There's lots of, again, rumors going on about what that reservation system is going to look like, and people are worried it's going to be a free-for-all, first-come, first-serve, but we don't know right now. As we learn more, as we find out, we'll uh, definitely cover that. But as of right now, with the information we have, Leslie, you know, how do you think this affects people's planning of Disney vacations practically at the moment? Well, I think for anyone from out of town, this is a big damper on them going at all. Because if if you're going to book a flight or plan for a long road trip or something like that, and there's a chance that you can't get a reservation to get into the park on the day that you want to get into, then it's definitely just not worth a gamble. I mean, especially if you're booking flights right now. Um, even though, you know, their airlines waiving change fees, it just seems like such a big investment to, to do that. So I think this means to me that Disney World is going to really be leaning on their sort of local annual pass holder crowd for the these beginning stages that they're sort of willing to forego the business from further afield and um you know as they're taking it slow uh that's just sort of my the message i guess that i'm getting Uh, i agree i definitely think that if you are from anywhere that's not a driving distance it's definitely like a wait and see approach right now like make sure you have plane reservations that you can change or cancel um just don't get your heart too set on things we need to see what things look like before we can like even if you want to go, given all the changes, before we can commit to being able to go to Disney World right now. All right, so let's move on to the next change, which was actually, I feel like the ticket sales and hotel reservations thing, like it was shocking, but not super shocking to me. But this one really kind of blew me away. Dining and experiences. So 
we knew that experiences and dining was going to look different because of physical distancing and all that kind of stuff. What we did not think was Disney straight up canceled all dining plans until September 2021. And also they've canceled everyone's dining reservations. So if you had a dining reservation, it's gone. And on top of all of that, they have completely switched their system. They've basically moved to a Disneyland system. I guess this isn't. I guess my tone is wrong there. This is not the craziest part, but they've moved to a system where instead of a 180 day dining reservation window, it's 60 days. So how do you break down all these changes? Yeah, I was surprised by this at first, but the more that I've pondered it, the more it makes complete sense. I mean, if restaurants have to go down to 50% capacity or less, you know, a lot of these very popular restaurants are already filled to 100%. So how do you you know, cancel half those people and let the other, you know, 50% sort of have the windfall. There's really no good way to do it except for just to sort of hit the reset button. Gosh, it's got to be so hard for people who like got that Chef Mickey's reservation at like the premium time or, you know, any of the the harder to get reservations. It's got to be heartbreaking to a lot of people. But, but it does make a lot of sense to me now looking at how these operations are going to be run. Because remember when the shutdowns happened i mean we all kind of thought we all knew disney would look different when it came back but i don't think we necessarily knew that restaurants are were going to be at significantly reduced capacity for an extended period of time which is sort of now the way things are trending in the united states we kind of thought okay it's going to be closed we're going to get a handle on this and things were going to be reopened but with hand sanitizer and all that good stuff we didn't really realize how much this is going to change the fabric of like how we do everyday business Right. And, you know, I was thinking about this further as well. And I don't think this is obviously a decision Disney did not take lightly because they had that summer free dining recovery offer, which a lot of people took advantage of. And because they canceled all dining plans, they basically canceled the recovery offer that they had for people. And they had to know that they were going to get a lot of flack for this. But I think, um, and, you know, this is kind of my thoughts about Disney's decision-making in general here, I think they thought that this is what's best and what's safest for customers. In the positive view, you can think they want to keep everyone safe and healthy. Even if you're being cynical about it, though, if Disney's avoiding getting sued, they're trying to make things as safe and healthy as possible. So if you did have one of those summer recovery free dining packages, you are going to get 35% off your room rate. So Disney is kind of doing a little make good there. But yeah, I'm totally there with you. As I thought about it more, this makes a lot of sense. Practically, what does this mean for planning your Disney vacation? Well, number one, obviously there's going to be this new 60-day window. So that's 60 is going to be the new 180 in terms of making dining reservations. But I also think number two, like if you are planning a trip for 2020, you might also with like all the health things and all that stuff, you might end up um, doing a lot more quick service. So you're spending less time um, indoors or you're eating outdoors at like Harambe Market or, you know, another one of the outdoor eateries uh, outside of Satuli Canteen. And so, you know, I think it's going to change what dining is going to look like. And, you know, there are no character meals either. So that's definitely going to have a practical effect on how you plan your vacation as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that the capacity for table service restaurants is going to be just radically different, as well as sort of the appetite for them among the guests who are there. A lot of people may not want the additional risk of dining, you know, inside in a you know less well ventilated place, even if it is at reduced capacity. So it definitely may be sort of a little bit more old school Walt Disney World, where everybody was just kind of grabbing a hot dog and sitting on a park bench or something. 
You're going to see a lot of turkey legs on a lot of benches. So uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. And then the last big announcement besides, you know, all the health precautions that they're taking, which we will also get to, is that Fast Pass Plus and Extra Magic Hours are gone for the foreseeable future. And they have not really set a date when they will bring them back. But so it seems, at least right now, it's all the way through 2020. Again, one of those things that was like jaw dropping when I read it a few days ago, but now again, it makes a lot of sense. I was listening to, you know, it's a big deal because Disney Dish recorded an extra episode instead of having their normally release on Monday, incredibly outdated episodes when breaking news happens in the Disney parks. And they were saying, which makes sense, you know, the fast pass queues are the shortest way to get from point A outside the queue to point B, the ride. And so Disney's probably going to be utilizing that in conjunction with virtual queues and all that stuff to really minimize the amount of time people are spending in line bunched up with each other, even if they're having these six feet apart cues. So what do you think about this? My first thought is why even stay on site anymore? Yeah, that was my big takeaway as well. I mean, without having fast pass plus priority, without having extra magic hours, there really are very few benefits to staying on site. I mean, I guess other than the transportation, um, but but uh, the, you don't want to ride on the buses yeah. either. We've discussed that. So. <laughs> yeah, but we maybe the Skyliner, maybe the Skyliner. But um, yeah, this takes away a huge ben- um, benefit of on property, and we also don't know what's happening with Magical Express. So that's another question mark, and and that could tip you know the balance even further. This was surprising to me. It wasn't surprising to me that they took away Fast Pass reservations and sort of are wiping the slate clean there. But ending of Extra Magic Hours was surprising to me. And it wouldn't surprise me if that makes it come back sooner than some of these other changes. Because you got to give a bone to the people who are paying the higher Disney prices in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I do think that the reason why they got rid of extra magic hours is because they need to figure out their new cleaning protocols. Uh, you know, there's definitely going to be reduced park hours. You know, it's not going to be open until midnight in the summer like it normally is. And so they're, you know, they're basically going to dip the entire park in bleach overnight. But as they, you know, get more efficient with that and things like that, I do think that we will see extra magic hours come back sooner. But yeah, I do think practically outside of the convenience of location and like how close you are to the Disney parks, especially maybe if you're like in the contemporary, you can walk or I do, like we've said in previous episodes, still think the Skyliner is going to be a good option. You know, there are less reasons to stay on site, but uh, it is going to be in some ways similar to Disneyland in the sense that there's lots of options. Staying on site kind of keeps you inside that Disney bubble, which is still worth something, maybe not worth the premium that Disney asks, but you know, uh, if I'm looking for ways personally to rationalize staying on site, that's where I'm going right now. Yeah, for sure. I think I would want to minimize a lot <laughs> if I if I did choose to go to Orlando and sort of staying in that Disney bubble. And you know, one other thing we're we're about to talk about, but Disney is requiring masks in their hotels as well. And it may be that off-property hotels do not have as consistent of a policy. So if that matters to some people, that might tip the tip the scales as well. That's a good point. So let's get to that. So the last thing we wanted to cover today was the different health precautions and um, health guidelines that Disney is putting in. So the first one, like Leslie said, all guests and cast members ages two and up will be required to wear face coverings when visiting Walt Disney Resort. And I think somewhere it said when on Walt Disney World property. 
That is the first precaution. Bring your own face covering, but of course, I'm sure they will sell you some. They will also be doing temperature screenings for cast members and for guests. Um, and so let's take those two first. So we knew the face mask thing was coming. We knew the temperature screening was coming. The temperature screening is not a huge deal to me. It's kind of just like another safety check. Face coverings, I don't love the idea of wearing it in the heat. And that maybe I don't love it enough to not go in July or August. But I do think in terms of safety, I'm totally down with what Disney's doing here, at least personally. Yeah, I personally am too. But I mean, I acknowledge it's going to be really hard if you're going to be spending 12 hours in a Disney park in July to have some sort of a face covering. I mean, I think it depends on the breathability of the material. And it's going to be really hard for parents with young kids as well. I mean, they did lower the age. I think it was initially three and up and they've now made it two and up. And I think that's very challenging for a lot of families. And maybe this is kind of a stealth way to try to keep away families with young kids in the early stages. That wouldn't surprise me if Disney wants to sort of minimize all those additional touch points that kids bring to the parks. But I am really grateful that Disney's doing this because I think it's important for you know health purposes. But I understand that this is logistically quite challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And I will say in my youth, we moved to Hong Kong for a couple of years. Um, this was before SARS, before everything. But I know what Hong Kong summers are like. And they are basically like being in Orlando, possibly a touch worse. Okay. It's a little, I mean, I got to check my latitude, but I think it might be a little bit closer to the equator. It's definitely more tropical there, but you know, they have very similar weather, hot and humid, uh, thunderstorms in the afternoon, hurricane warnings. We call them typhoons over there. Well, after SARS, it became very commonplace for when people are sick in Hong Kong for people to wear face coverings. My thinking is, you know, if People can do it over there. We can get used to it here. It's not going to be an easy transition, but I see plenty of people in Hong Kong. No one complains about it anymore. It's just, you know, it's just the norm. It's just what you do. Um, so they wear face coverings in the incredibly hot summer there. So I think if you really want to go to Disney World, you'll figure out a way to make it work here. Yeah, absolutely. And if this is a deal breaker for people, it's a deal breaker for people. Um, you know, we aren't going to be wearing masks forever, I hope and think. So, you know, that this just means that some people are going to pause that vacation and, and, you know, it is what it is. Yep. Uh, some other quick, you know, uh, precautions. Uh, they're going to be signage on the grounds about where to stand and stuff like that. I think we've seen that. Uh, there'll be physical barriers. I don't know if you've been in the post office since this all started but you know at the pofos office and even at walgreens now there's like um, plastic shields and you make your transaction with the person standing behind the shield trader joe's too actually um, and then they're going to be moving to cashless transactions as much as possible which makes sense right you're going to use debit cards credit cards if you have apple pay that's probably the best because you don't even have to touch anything that has some automagical stuff going on i think practically for me i'm happy about these things you know i'm happy to be cashless i'm probably going to try to prepay for as much as possible and so you know i think these are just things again like you just said uh, are reducing the touch points yeah i guess we haven't heard officially whether or not the finger scan <laughs> to enter the parks is going to be discontinued oh, yeah i didn't but even I, think about that yeah but i presume that will be i mean that that is the most disgusting of them all i think <laughs> No, don't worry. I'm pretty sure they're going to implement their face recognition and tracking and completely owning your privacy technology any minute now, Leslie. Yeah, it's already that ship has sailed, Joe. This, this is all joking, by the way. Okay, just in case people I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, you have to have those uh, uh, disclaimers now, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then finally, a couple of other things, you know, they are highly I 
do not think practically you're going to be able to get away with going to Disney World without my Disney experience anymore. Like, uh, I just think that's how life is going to be. They are using that to help with the physical distancing, including, you know, using mobile order, scannable codes for restaurant menus. I think like you'll be able to pull up the menu on your phone so you don't, they don't have to give you a physical menu. Um, and then, you know, I think we knew this was coming, but they're going to go like, to basically 100% online check-in at Disney resorts so that you don't even have to go to the desk, which, of course, I'm all for. Yeah, a lot of these things were things I was using anyway, so this is going to sort of tip the balance for a lot of people who maybe hadn't adopted all of the technology just yet. All right, so those are the majority of changes, unless uh, anything big that I missed, Leslie? I think we got the big ones for now, Joe. Do you have a Disney do or don't for us today? Uh, Yes, I do have a Disney do or don't. So my Disney don't today is... Don't rush into making a decision either way about whether you want to visit or don't want to visit Disney. Uh, you know, I think when this news comes out, there's a lot of emotions involved and we want to make decisions. And some of us, uh, like you and me, Leslie, we're planners. And so we want to get those decisions done. But really, we don't have enough information right now, or I don't have enough information right now to truly make a decision. And I would encourage everyone to take a wait and see approach. Once you have enough information that you feel like you can make a decision, go ahead and make it, but don't be in a rush to make decisions without having all the information at hand, because who knows what things could look like. We can't predict how all these changes are going to affect things. And so take your time, uh, make a rational decision. As long as you don't have money that you can't afford on the line or stress that you can't afford on the line, you know, take your time making that decision. Yeah. Excellent point, Joe. All right. So those are the changes. Like I said, in future episodes, we will talk about what we think those changes mean for the Disney experience. We, we also know that a lot of people probably have questions. So please email us questions, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or connect with us on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Send us those questions. We will try to answer them here on air because, you know, we can't think of all the questions. So we need your help to come up with the questions. We know that there's just a lot of unknowns and uncertainty right now with what a Disney vacation is going to look like. We we haven't even heard anything about Disneyland yet. And of course, we'll cover that too when that comes. We're just doing our best here to give you as much information you need to plan or to not plan your Disney vacation. And we'll continue to do so, you know, for the foreseeable future. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you pouring over the internet trying to figure out what all this news means. Thanks, Joe.